MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking MSU Denver online classes this summer. If you're not living that college experience, at other institutions due to COVID restrictions, then MSU Denver Online is an amazing opportunity that you should take advantage of. One of MSU's mantras is learn to lead the change, and that is what is happening right now at MSU Denver. Uh, MSU Denver services Denver and is a steward of the community, and most of their professors are actually working in the community, which means that you have connections as soon as you graduate. If you want more information about MSU Denver Online, you can go to msudenver.com slash online to read about the 40 plus different uh, programs that can get you a real degree. Uh, you can also read up on the 700 plus courses that you can enroll in. Or of course you can reach out to Harrison Wind or Ali Monroy and ask about any preliminary questions that you may have. All right, welcome into the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings, the number one rated sportsbook app in the United States. If you haven't gotten on DraftKings yet, it is time. There's so much going on with the NFL and NBA Finals and uh, the baseball playoffs, which I know Dre has been making some money off of. So get in and download the number one rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code DMVR when you sign up. Okay, uh, I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm joined today by Andre Simone and Jake Schwanitz. And as is pretty much always the case during college football season, we're going to start the show by talking about what went down last weekend, and then we'll get into uh, what we expect to see this weekend, and then uh, answer some questions if we have any. I uh, love the lack of shenanigans to open the show, yeah. so allow me to get some shenanigans. We don't have time I shenanigans am today so excited for this show, Henry. I've been waiting all week to talk about this because the SEC was back. It was magical. As Jake was saying <laughs> off air, you know, we make fun of the SEC. We like to troll them. They think they're such a big deal. What's their dumb motto? It simply means more. Yeah. As a draft, Nick, it kind of did simply mean more this Saturday. It was yeah. dope. So apologies for the SEC for trolling you. We really missed you, and it was really nice to have you back. Yeah, yeah straight up. Uh, guy, I will totally agree. Yeah, I I'm, think I'm done talking trash about the SEC from now on because now – Finally, I think understand that this is actually the cream of the crop and we need the SEC to kind of, I don't know, feel whole, honestly. Seriously. For it, real. It's totally different because even though maybe during a normal year, I'm not just like tuning into every SEC game, but whenever I'm flipping around during the day, there's at least one SEC game in the rotation and typically more. Like it might be like going back and forth between an ACC game and an SEC game. And then next week you're going back and forth between like a big 10 game and SEC, but it's always SEC because there is always something worth watching. And uh, that was so true this week because yeah. we learned so many different things. Um, well. I want to start by, 
talking the SEC about- added a lot of entertainment value, and it was on full display this week. I'm sure that's where you're going. Uh, we're going Mike Leach. Oh, the pirate. The pirate is here, baby. The pirate (laughs) is here. That's why the SEC is fun now. The pirate is here, and it is lit. That is what is needed. Like, I know that we've started the show by just talking about how much we love the SEC, but it isn't the most exciting brand of football. I mean, it's kind of developing in that direction. You know, Joe Burrow did what Joe Burrow did last year. Tua at Bama has been a lot more fun than SEC teams typically have been. But by throwing the air raid in here and forcing defenses – to say, okay, well, once a year, we're going to see this. So we need to have a plan to go up against this. It changes the shape of these teams. Um, Dre, uh, let's just start with you. What are your big takeaways from that uh, Mississippi State game? I mean, I'm not going to – I'm going to let you talk about KJ Costello, a.k.a. the surgeon. Um, But (laughs) I thought from a draft standpoint – Kalen Hill and what he did in the receiving game in just one week under this new offense is massive. I went from, I'm worried that Kalen Hill, probably my favorite running back in this class was going to be hurt by being in a Mike Leach offense and not getting the carries in the run game. He's not getting the carries in the run game, but this guy's showing that receiving dimension that separates the men from the boys when it comes to running backs and their draft stock that has me really excited. And he made that LSU defense look like just a bunch of chumps. He was running wild on them. Yeah, it it really was incredible. Um, Mississippi State beat LSU 44-34. Should just throw that out there. Um, We'll get into KJ Costello in a second, but 623 passing yards sets the all-time SEC single-game record. Uh, Any thoughts from you, Jake? Yeah, um, I mean, we're going to talk plenty about the prospects here. Um, I just have to say Mike Leach is the real deal, man. I mean, to come in like that week one and to have that much of an impact – um, I mean, they played LSU. We're talking potentially maybe DBU, right? You know, mm-hmm. got a couple other schools vying for that. But he just came in and shredded them, man. Um, yeah. We'll get into Costello. I mean, his game was okay. And mm-hmm. Mississippi State does have, have, have some guys on the outside. But the, there were just dudes streaking wide open. It was all Mike Leach, I think. Um, yeah. But to get into the players, we obviously talked about Kylan Hill. But Osiris Mitchell and Javante Payton, the wide receivers from Mississippi State, both had insane games. Osiris Mitchell, seven for 183, two touchdowns. Uh, and then Payton had six grabs for 122. Payton's more of your kind of shifty or small speed guy. Osiris Mitchell is massive. He's like 6'5", 200 or something like that. 6'5", 210. Yeah, and he can move as well. So these are some guys on the outside that we're going to be getting into for sure the rest of the season. That was my takeaway was how dope does Mike Leach look with SEC athletes that have SEC size? Like he was getting Texas and LA speedsters before this, but they didn't have, they weren't 6'5 like Mitchell or 6'6 like Tyrell Shavers, which is insane. We're four playmakers deep into this offense already against LSU. Tyrell Shavers transferred from Alabama comes here just two grabs but 68 yards a touchdown he looks like a beast just a matchup nightmare and then I guess my other low-key takeaway Hank you and I were talking about this off air is how much of a nice matchup it is to have the air raid and all that mesh they're running over the middle against a defense that's so cocky they think they can play man 
even against this kind of offense and these kind of athletes. And we saw what happened. You got burned all day long. They couldn't stop mesh. It was too easy for KJ Costello, who, as Jake said, the stats are unbelievable, but he was just I. You know, he had his moments, but he was nothing to write home about, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I, I think just to finish off that other conversation, I, the athletes are very good compared to what he's had everywhere else. But compared to the top levels of the SEC, like it's not like it's Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith out there. Yeah. You know, it's, there is still room to grow in terms of just talent within this program. And for them to show up and beat the defending national champions in their first game before they have a chance to start recruiting their own guys, I think that the ceiling is very high and I am fully bought into Mississippi State. Um, with KJ, though, so 623 yards, that's what stands out. But 36 of 60, it is very much a, a product of the volume. Um, at the same time, you expect to have some sort of struggles. Like, you can't expect him to complete all of his passes when they know that the pass is coming. And so even though it, it is like a 60% completion percentage, 60% on 60 attempts is a lot more impressive to me does that sound fair to you guys? Um, I, I'd say so. I mean, but the criticisms I have of Costello, really, I mean, you see the number 623. A lot of that was rack, man, yeah. um, especially Kylan Hill. I mean, he had the one 75-yard touchdown. That was basically, I don't know, a 10, 15-yard <laughs> pass, and then he just did the rest. So, you know, the numbers are a bit deceiving. And also just Costello, there's some – I had some issues with his poise. He seemed kind of rattled and just kind of all over the place at times. Mm -hmm. uh, also wasn't always the most accurate. So yeah. again, while the numbers are, they're really good. They're impressive, but it's, it paints a different picture than what was actually played on the field. Yeah. If I was to like bang the table for him as a backup, hanging onto the ball a bit too long and ball placement are obvious concerns, but credit to him. He showed the arm strength. He showed the ability to still stretch the field while kind of back leaning on his footwork, you know, uh, kind of leaning back because the pressure is coming. And there were instances where he just hung tough long enough in the pocket to let mesh unfold, let that guy break open and hit, you know, hit a guy. So he did his job. He, he seemed like such an awkward fit in this system. I guess he's turning me into a bit more of a believer I do got to mention on the LSU side, really like Terrace Marshall Jr., the, wide, the one remaining stud wide receiver. He had one of the catches of the weekend and had a great game for himself. I'm a bit in awe of this entire wide receiver class already. Yeah. 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 I agree. I mean, in this game, but, but all across the board, I think yes, the SEC brother. receivers were very impressive this week. You know, even out there, like, like, Auburn, they had a couple guys who were Bro. making some plays. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if this is just the way football is going to be now. Like, I get that it's only like a couple know, years in a row man. that we've had these super deep wide receiver classes, but are we just going to continue to see more guys figure out how to put it together at the college level? I mean, I think so. You look at the evolution of just elite 11 camps and seven on seven yeah. for these high school kids. I mean, they're just getting more up to speed earlier. And I mm -hmm. think we're seeing the benefits of that already. Uh, like you said, with the previous 
few wide receiver classes and now this one. It's just these guys are coming in ready to play. Um, I mean, you mentioned the Auburn guys. Uh, Ole Miss had a guy, too, that was insane this week. So there was just – especially the SEC, is just talent all over the field uh, at the wide receiver position. Yeah, even with guys like Jamar Chase still holding out, you know, or yeah. luckily Rashad Bateman's coming back. But, there's, you know, we've had our holdouts at, even at the wide receiver position. Seth Williams for Auburn was on fire. Kentucky was hanging with them until Seth Williams basically took over the game. If, if Terrace Will- Marshall had one of the catches of the game with his one-handed touchdown with a DB all over him, Seth Williams has the real, like, elite one-handed touchdown grab of the week and the big Auburn wide receiver was outstanding. And all these guys, Marshall, 6'3", 200. In another era, he'd be playing safety or linebacker. The, the, the uh, Mississippi guys we're talking about, 6'6", 6'5", 200 plus. Those would be DNs or tight ends in a lot of, you know, so it is this era of football where we're just saying, hey man, I don't care what size or shape you come in, you're so explosive with the ball you got to play wide receiver or be one of these running back wide receiver hybrids. Um, and that brings me back to Hill, who I rolled my eyes when you said they could use him like Max Borgie, um, Hank. And I, you didn't even say that exactly, but you mentioned Max Borgie as kind of a mold. And uh, boy, that proved to kind of be like true, which gives him insane NFL value. And he's so shifty and powerful. I love Hill, man. Yeah. 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 I think right now he's my favorite running back. Um, one more note from me uh, on the LSU side, Jabril Cox coming from yeah. North Dakota State. Yep. Um, I think Linebacker. Three-time FCS Defensive Player of the Year. Um, obviously, North Dakota State doesn't lose many games. We'll talk more about that later. But yep. uh, very good. Transferred to LSU. Could have gone to the draft. Uh, started, had a pick six early, had another sack, had a tackle for loss. That man is – a, a power five football player and I think an NFL football player and maybe a top 100 pick too yeah definitely uh he just looked the part game speed was up there um he was just all over the all over the field in the first half I'd say also I want to mention Jacoby Stevens the other linebacker of LSU mm-hmm. had another great game he had a hat trick play where he had a sack forced fumble and fumble recovery on the same play um so they've just got some dogs back there in that front mm-hmm. seven uh, Jabril Cox just adds firepower to that team. Can I talk about LSU real quick as a whole, though? Please the do. drop-off from last year's team to this team is substantial. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just at quarterback, but the offensive line. Oh, um, Four starters it's, gone. Yeah, yeah it's, it's rough. And Miles Brennan, just real quick, I don't know if there's a bigger drop-off year-to-year at the quarterback <sighs> position that we've seen. Um, just talking about like poise and pocket movement, it's a, just a completely different type of game. Rather, Joe Joe Burrow was just like running circles around these guys. Miles Brennan is getting killed out there. He is, he is, and it, it, it's. I was listening to another podcast where they just called this. Uh, I think the spring season for 2021 for LSU. Like they yeah. just don't have the talent, and they can't even run the same offense. Like they kind of tried. To, to push the ball downfield and all that kind of stuff. It just does not work. And they don't even really have any other quarterback options. You know, like oh. a couple of freshmen that they could throw in there, but that's not going to be any better. Yeah. Yeah. And LSU already, like the guys who stood out the most were the true freshmen to me. Um, I forget the corner who was a true freshman who really yeah, caught my I eye. Got you. That Eli tight Ricks. end, Eli Ricks, was, 
man among boys. I mean, mm-hmm. you just see him and you say, whoa, those are freshmen. Those are the guys who look like ready-made pros today and they're 18. And the tight end was just like, I, I can't believe that kid's 18. I can't believe he's a true freshman. Like, geez, man, give me one day to look and feel like that. Like, oh, could you imagine 18, 6'5", 248, sculpted, goes and makes that yeah. touchdown catch that he made. He had no business making. It was like a Hail Mary. It's like a red, red zone pass, you know. Oh, man, yeah, they, they've got talent, but you're right. It's kind of a long game here, a long rebuild there. You know, not everyone is the pirate who can just get everything going right there in one week. So, um and I'd say the other big story um, in the SEC was how good Florida looked. Yeah. Uh, lots of draft storylines kind of emerging with that one. Maybe the, the headliner being Cal Pitts, not just tight end one and making like a strong, strong case for that. But I wonder, is he going to be drafted higher than TJ Hawkinson was a couple years ago? You know, is it the rare top 10 tight end? Because he was unstoppable. You know, and we were talking about this at the bar earlier this week, Dre. But for me, with last year kind of being the first time really diving into the draft and paying attention to prospects, mm-hmm. I just didn't think tight ends were exciting. And, and now starting this year this way, it's like, oh, wow, there are three guys who are must-see TV. And, you know, Framemouth still hasn't played yet, but when he does play, he'll be there. It's, oh, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Kyle Pitts is a monster. But I think Kyle Trask is kind of, a big part of the reason why a quarterback who we weren't necessarily in love with goes 30 for 42, uh, 416 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions against Ole Miss. Yeah. Kyle Trask was awesome. I was really impressed with his poise, uh, his mobility. He kept his eyes up. Um, a couple of times he just stepped up in the pocket and it just looked so natural. Pocket Mm -hmm. presence was great. Uh, he could fit the ball kind of in between zones with some loft too. So he had some really impressive like intermediate throws in that regard. But, yeah, man, he was really impressive, and it just goes back to last year. I remember when they put Trask in and uh, over Felipe Franks, and it just – why was he starting sooner? Yeah, it just yep. made no sense that he wasn't on the field. No, it's – I mean, <laughs> it's the first competent quarterback Florida's had since Tim Tebow, and it's like, oh, wow, this yeah. is what Florida looks like when you've got a guy who can complete 60% of the passes and doesn't go down the second you touch him and has some mobility and, like – poise and rhythm to his game um and did you guys know Kyle Trask prior to starting last year at Florida hadn't started a game since his freshman year of high school because Derek King came in and was starting all their games in their high school isn't that insane and now Florida Miami back to being real contenders back to being legit top 15 schools it's Derek King and Kyle Trask I, I I love that kind of stuff but Trask man that's we've been looking for him. We might've found that dark horse quarterback prospect who could surprise everyone. Um, might just be the Gators quarterback though. We need to see a lot more than just a whooping Ole Miss for one week. And the one takeaway for Ole Miss is a uh, man, Elijah Moore, the little five, nine, one eighty five uh, playmaker out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida was unbelievable going off for 227 yards against the Gators so low to the ground so compact um just a a real dynamic playmaker another guy to add to all all the playmakers we have in this uh 2021 class that we're just now uh kind of unwrapping and rediscovering in some ways 
Uh, yeah, uh, another name just from looking at the box score, uh, who had a crazy stat line, is Ventrell Miller, the linebacker for the Gators. Yeah. Uh, 15 tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss. Um, I didn't pay much attention to this game, but as I'm scrolling through, that's a pretty crazy number to see. Yeah, I remember him flashing a couple times. Um, he was all over the place. Also, another interesting guy on the Florida side, Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver, uh, mm-hmm. kind of played some running back wide receiver. He had a really nice end around where he, you know, took contact at the line of scrimmage, shook it off, and made a real explosive play out of that, almost scored. Uh, so he's yards. someone to, yeah, from uh, Mobile, Alabama, too. So, nice. uh, again, if the Senior Bowl happens this year, he'll be someone that we might be able to see up there. Oh, yeah, guaranteed. They all, the Mobile kids get preferential treatment, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, no, that that was a good one though. The the defense is not too not too much to get excited about in a fifty one thirty five game. Um, well, since we're talking defense, one game, and I'd like to hear your thoughts, Jake. Um, where the defense did show up is once again Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. Great job against Louisville. We were all tuned into Paris Ford, right? Where really yeah. the standout was uh, Patrick Jones, the the stud defensive end with their star ta- defensive tackle out. He has a, you know, he's opted out. Patrick Jones really stood up, and the underclassmen on that D line flashed to me more in the earlier games, but he stepped up in a big way, and he's a guy to keep an eye on for sure. Definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head. He was super impressive, and I immediately wrote down his name. I mean, he was just constantly in the backfield. He had three sacks. Um, I know Louisville, we kinda, we've kind of talked about them a lot already. I don't think they're that good, man. Um, I know. Especially yeah, right. up front on both sides. They're just, they just don't have it. They were getting – there was constant penetration mm-hmm. um, on, the, on their offensive line. But back to Patrick Jones, um, he's someone I think that should have been a lot more on the radar than he was. Um, he seems kind of underdog to me because he had eight and a half sacks last year and four, four forced fumbles. So he's putting up numbers already at three sacks now um, after the Louisville game and just six, five, two sixty. I mean, he looks the type prototype um, mold. So he's definitely someone to watch for. Uh, I was, I wanted to hear what you had to say about them because I know edge is your, your expertise. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I like them. He feels he feels like one of these really yoked up, you know, muscly um, defensive ends, a guy that I probably like handed to dirt a little more than as a stand-up edge. And I want to see more, you know, I, I don't like that. He didn't pop in the, in the previous couple games, you know, so we need that consistency. I'm, I'm much more confident in his ability as a run defender um, and his strength and length as his ability to kind of win um, win in the trenches that I am about his bend and uh, first step. And that's, that's where I want to see more from Patrick Jones. But he was a name on the radar. He disappointed. It was nice to see him have a massive game against the ranked opponent in Louisville. And yeah, a bit bummed out. I always get excited about a team like after week one. Uh, yeah. Last year it was Maryland. Remember, Hank, I was going to do a whole segment on the draft pod about their run game and Anthony mm. McFarland and like it's a triple option, but they're all about speed. And then like, yeah, Maryland was ranked 24th after week one and then like lost yeah. three games. <laughs> Louisville, I mean, it's similar in some ways to that team. You know, it yeah. is just like all speed everywhere. You know, it, they look more like a basketball team than a football team. Like everybody's yeah. just so tall and thin and so quick. 
But when they play a team like Pittsburgh that can just line up and push them over, there's just nothing that they can do about it. Like you got Tutu Atwell kind of loose once or twice. The Hawkins got loose once, but did pretty much nothing else. Like it, you gotta, you gotta be stronger to play football. That's just part yeah. of the game. Uh, any other thoughts here? Should we move along? Um, um, no, I, I was ready to move on to Texas, uh, Texas tech. If for nothing else to mention yet another wide receiver, TJ Vasher, a guy I've been talking about off and on for three years, ever since my buddy, um, Andrea Cornalia shouts to him, wrote, wrote up a film room on this, uh, stud wide receiver for Texas tech, uh, a couple years ago, he has consistently made some of the toughest, most acrobatic grabs I've seen from any wide receiver in the country over the last few years. And he did it once again against Texas was a huge part of, uh, the red Raiders comeback to almost beat the Longhorns in overtime and he had two touchdowns on the day he's another of these guys like warren jackson who we have out here locally who you can just add in to this great wide receiver class i really liked him and that game's another reminder it was just not a great week for defenses (laughs) like not at all not at all um and then i think i have any notes from this one yeah I i don't have anything here the other big name standouts, they weren't against great opponents, but Trevor Lawrence, man, yeah. looked great against Wake. He lit them up, even ran it in. He's just been so, so, so polished right now beyond being able to make those incredible throws and be poised and um, really play well on the move. And Najee Harris, I thought, played really well um, against Missouri. And Jalen Waddle looked Jaylen like a stud. Jalen Waddle, man. Holy cow. Stud. Yeah. He's a he's a beast. Uh, thoughts on on their quarterback, Alabama Jones is uh, starting looked, a yeah yeah he looked really legit. Um, you know, a lot of uh, it was a lot of easy throws for them. I mean, Missouri had freshmen on the field at secondary and stuff, so it was kind of an easy day for them overall. But I mean, he put the ball in perfect places when it had to be. Also, did you watch into the fourth quarter of that game, Bryce Young, the freshman quarterback? You no, want to talk about I a didn't. live arm? Holy cow, that ball was moving out of that guy's arm. If you go back and watch highlights, look at the fourth quarter and mm-hmm. look at the throws this guy was putting up. It was, I mean, he's really raw, so I don't want to get too yep. excited yet, yep. but man, that ball pops out of his hand. Yeah, California kid. Um, then people are excited about him. And Mac Jones, you know, we talked so much about Louisville's quarterback a couple weeks ago, his ability to stretch the field vertically. Mac Jones has one of the nicer deep balls in the country. Um, lots to work on with him. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, if he transferred by next year because uh, they've got, you know, the, the young highly high profile recruit kind of took over. Um, but Mac Jones has a place in college football as a high echelon uh, quarterback and he'll have he'll get some NFL looks for sure he's good enough to get some NFL looks um, I think we got to close this out though with some Florida State Miami talk oh okay. gosh man <laughs> that Bro, was yeah. Uh, yeah lay it on that was rough Oof. I mean I told you I think I mentioned this last week when we were talking about this game that the Miami defense is going to have some opportunities to get after Blackman because the Florida state offensive line the past few years has just been iffy. Um, I I see right here, six sacks, 13 tackles for loss for the Miami hurricanes defense. They were just, 
Yikes. the game was over immediately, man. But Derek yeah. King looked good. Derek King looked real good. Derek King looked really good once again. Zach McLeod looked really good on the um, Miami defense. A bit underwhelming from all the talent FSU has on defense. You know, those were really the pro prospects yeah. as the Asante Samuels Juniors and uh, Marvin Wilson and. They really got overpowered. They couldn't do much in this one. Um, that was a that was a bit disappointing. So, yeah. But and I mean, kind of fun to have Miami be like a legit program and looking like they're kind of they're kind of back. Like this is a yeah. team that mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty excited for when they'll be playing Clemson this year because it seems like finally the Next SEC week. has some competition yeah. on the tenth, baby. Ooh, that's gonna be great. So, um, yeah. Henry, why don't we take a break, and then I've got some questions for you guys after this big week of SEC action. All right, let's do it. Uh, and during our break, we're going to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, America's number one rated uh, sportsbook app. If you haven't gotten in yet, it seriously is the time. There's too much going on for you not to have joined us in making your money. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week four, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they beat any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? Don't worry. If football isn't for you, DraftKings is giving all you basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code DNVR during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Wow. Okay. What are your questions, Dre? Y'all ready for these questions? Uh, All right. So. so, is Kyle Pitts really tight end one? Like, and how high can he go? I touched on this earlier, but, man, I I don't know. I mean, I think once I get into, like, outside of the top five for my rankings, it's in play. It's in play. I agree. I agree, yeah. especially when you look at, you know, who, who are the top two tight ends in the NFL right now? Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Yep. Which two teams went to the Super Bowl last year? The teams with those two tight ends on them. Tight end is such an important position to the NFL game. They do, they fulfill so many different roles on every play. You are asking for them to do something. And uh, it's typically something pretty important. I think that there's no reason to say that tight ends can't be drafted in the top 10. And if any tight end can be drafted in the top 10, it's Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I'm there with you. Uh, I really think it's between at this point, just Pitts and Brevin, uh, Brevin Jordan, Um, obviously with Friar still to come, but both those guys, they really 
are pretty much identical, honestly. I mean, they're massive guys and they move really well for their size oh, yeah. um, and really impressive receivers for tight ends. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing I think is uh, kind of the revolution of the tight end and seeing them really become full fledged receivers. Yeah. Uh, these guys are ready to contribute immediately to an NFL passing game. So um, it's more on the blocking side where the concern is, I think. Uh, yeah. Both those guys need to kind of dig in a bit more there. But yeah, Pitts had some just insane catches i think he's got a bigger catch radius than brevin jordan too you yeah. know you saw some uh you know kind of low catches he was able to make i don't think brevin jordan's really quite showed that off yet yeah but um yeah i mean top you'd have this kind of pencil him in right now in the top 10 i think uh just because i mean he's elite right just if you were like doing rankings at this point in the season it'd be hard not to have him that high up um yeah, and 6'6", 240, he definitely has a bigger catch radius and frame than Brevin Jordan, which I think ups his uh, ceiling significantly. But you nailed it on the head. And that's where you know the TJ Hawkinson conversation is interesting. Hawkinson had that blocking as his anchor, which then once he showed he was a special athlete with special traits, uh, potentially as a receiver as well, vaulted him in the top 10. We're going to have to see more of that from Pitts. It'll be interesting how Dan Mullen utilizes him and will he get more opportunities to show that blocking uh, ability on tape. I've seen flashes. I like the frame as a potential blocker, but he's far from there. And that's an area that's always, I mean, tough to evaluate, tough to project. There's always a ton of projection with blocking tight ends. They're almost never where you want them to be. So you're really just looking forward and projecting rather than that giving your stamp of approval right then and there. Um, okay. And then like Kyle Trask right now, where does he rank in this quarterback class? Uh, I mean, I, I guess you have to say QB two behind Trevor. I think, I mean, Derek King is up there. But you just look at the size differences and oh. I don't know, Trask had a couple of throws where, you know, the pocket was kind of collapsing in on him. And it was mm-hmm. just one of those things where because he was bigger and taller, he was still able to kind of sling the ball out. Whereas King probably doesn't have that ability in him just because he's simply right. not big enough. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know about you, Hank. I don't, who else would you put for QB2? I mean, I think it's Trask at this point. I mean, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, we haven't really seen well, them. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just to make sure we're clear there, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, Jamie Newman wasn't impressive. Uh, the, the, I, Kelly yeah. Mond Not at all. Sam Ellinger isn't an NFL quarterback. I've been Rock waiting Curry so long for Ellinger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I just don't even. Right. Brock Purdy stinks. Yeah. Dude. He's yeah. bad. Did you see that interception? Hold on. Can we talk about this interception that Brock Purdy had or the fumble, whatever it was? One yeah. of the worst plays I've ever seen a quarterback commit. It was terrible. He looked like terrible. Josh Allen. It, it was <laughs> like, worse than Josh Allen. <laughs> but in that same style of play that Josh Allen just finds a way to make. Like, Oh, my God. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, when I say quarterbacks with no consciousness, that's uh, what I mean. Just... <laughs> that was a true YOLO moment, man. He just <laughs> – yeah. Long it up. Just, yeah. yeah. I, another question, though, is where does KJ Costello rank? Like, it wasn't a great uh, game, but at least it wasn't a bad game like a lot of these other guys are having. Well, this really opens my eyes to, like, 
Um, Derek King getting drafted like as a quarterback in the top five rounds might be happening because it really is, you know, the big three. And then you're intrigued by Trask, who again is just a junior. We we can't even guarantee that he'll come out. Yeah. And then it really is like uh JT Daniels might be good, KJ Costello. Like we really have no clue. Like we haven't seen the Pac 12 yet. Mm-hmm. But their two best quarterbacks aren't going to be draft eligible. Like you'd have to look at like Davis Mills at Stanford to even have a conversation. And that's not a conversation worth having. Like there just aren't enough quarterbacks around to push any of these guys down. Yeah. And the big 12 has kind of underwhelmed. I don't know if uh, maybe we have some Skylar Thompson fans in the house, the Kansas state quarterback. He's uh he's not bad. Um, okay. And this, this is the best for last. If we were to combine tight ends and wide receivers, could 2021 actually be better in those two position groups combined than 2020? Let's say like top 50 picks. We might be there, man. We might be there. I'm going to tell you how many top 50 wide receivers were drafted last year. Cause we didn't have a top 50 tight end. I think Komet just missed a cut. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious how many top 50 receivers there were though, because there was a little run right around number 50. I I think there's more though. I think that you do have, ah, that's so hard. I think first round, I think you can match it. Whether you sneak enough into the top 50 seems a little fluky to me. I'm not sure. The thing with the 2021 class though, is the tight ends, I think already show kind of more potential than the 2020 class did 2020 class at tight end was, you know, to be honest, it was pretty weak. Um, You know, there there was not like an undisputed number one guy. Everyone kind of had different guys at number one Um, and just a whole jumbled up top five. If you went, you know, analyst to analyst, it was all different. So I think this year, I mean, the receiver class last year was just so good, though. That's the thing. Uh, I know. We had 12 top 50 picks last year. At oh, my gosh. And That's plenty insane. of guys that we would have had, you know, like Denzel Mims, who we would have drafted top 50, who still mm-hmm. snuck out. This year you have the elite three, you know, uh, Waddle, uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Ross, which could be an elite four if you include – um, Devonte Smith and that. Then you have the three tight ends, mm-hmm. and Brevin Jordan. I like. I'm not sure. I'm like pounding the table as a top fifty guarantee, though. You know the comps we've made are like Jonu Smith, like move mm-hmm. tight ends. You know, um, and then you get into the Rashad Batemans, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Rondale Moore. Uh, you know. How much Tillon Wallace? How much of those guys? Nico Collins. I don't know if he. We have quite enough. Yeah, Chris Olave. It man, it's gonna be it's, so close. It's yeah. right there. Terrace yeah. Marshall. Now you add some of the Mississippi State guys. Elijah Moore maybe sneaks in. Mm, okay, it's a conversation. Yeah. We're there. It's going to be neck and neck, as crazy as it sounds, because we were saying, you know, that wide receiver class from last year was historic. I stand by that, but once you combine the tight ends for this year, we're not going to be that far off, and that's really saying something. So, crazy. Um, 
yeah, those were my uh, my questions before we preview the week of weeks, the week, the one week we get to see North Dakota State uh, play. So uh, a special place in our heart, huh? Our FCS insider, Henry Chisholm. I am so excited. Good. I am so excited. I could not be more excited. Uh, this is the one game that I will not be missing this week. And what's so crazy about it is, you know, like last year, Joe Burrow's the number one pick. He's the quarterback. He's who everybody's talking about. But I didn't see every snap he played. Mm-hmm. I, I saw probably half of them at, at best. And that's like going back and watching. With Trey Lance, if you sit down and watch this game, you will see as much of him from this season as any scout in the NFL. And then you get to see what those scouts decide. Is that a top five pick? Is, do you wait till the second round? And so much of any of that re- revolves around what happens on Saturday. You know, we're talking about before, but he has a chance to be undefeated in college, including winning a national championship, while never throwing an interception. It's just absurd. And sure, like it's FCS, they're playing Central Arkansas. It's, it's not like the biggest challenge, but I mean – that's only because they have been so good. It's like I was saying earlier, they haven't lost to an FBS team since 2010. NDSU hasn't. They're 6-0 and in that time. I think they're just going to go out there and stomp them. I think Trey Lance is going to throw for 400 yards with two incompletions. Neither of those are going to be interceptions. And then we're going to have to decide how high is too high to draft him. Well, I it's think the point conversation. Yeah, the point Henry's really making, maybe without realizing you're making it, is this is the ultimate draft experiment of how much are we going to overvalue or undervalue one single performance in a season? If that's all we end up seeing, you know. Yeah, I mean, he can only play who's in front of him. I mean, we're no? talking about a college football player. He doesn't have that much power, so he's done the most that he could up to this point. Um, but I think it goes back to the quote from uh, Kevin Colbert that uh, Henry talked about a couple weeks ago. You know, they said that they were going to value guys that played this year. Um, yeah. And I don't think that they're the only NFL team that's going to be thinking that way. And I, he is a quarterback and he is one of the more fun and dynamic prospects at the position. So I don't know if you kind of create an exception for that, but if mm-hmm. they're judging by that rule, I I just struggle to see how he ends up in the first round, even though he's been so electric and dynamic. Um, But I mean, Lamar Jackson went 32nd overall, you know what I mean? So it's, it's not a guarantee that he's going to be a first round player. Well, and him not facing adversity almost hurts him. And I go back to the fact to the Carson Wentz evaluation, which I remember quite a bit because I was so, on the fence on Wentz and Wentz was the rare prospect where I knew a month and a half before the draft happened where he was going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't like some guy who I could keep pounding the table. Like, nah, all these big draft people are idiots. This dude isn't going first round. It was like, no man, the, the Eagles just traded up to two. Like he's going one or two. It's not, it, it's Carson Wentz's time. And he was a tough eval at North Dakota State because the windows he's throwing in are wide open. His O-line is dominating just about every opponent. But what really turned me on to Carson Wentz was the one game where North Dakota State was down. The one game where he struggled early on against Northern Iowa 
and he had to make some NFL throws to drag him back and get him back in that game. Now, he also threw the ugliest interceptions of his career on tape, but watching what Carson Wentz was able to do in that game really made me understand, oh, yeah, he's, just, he's not just a product of a system. This guy has all the raw tools to really make it work, and you can see when he faces adversity, he can pull that out. That's my concern with Trey Lance. Like any of these high picks, when you're given the car, the keys to an offense in the NFL, it's not because that offense is good and it's going to be easy to run that car. The offense you're taking over is probably pretty crappy and you're going to be part of the solution in getting that to run again. And you're going to face plenty of games where you're down by 10 points and you got to drag your team out and your offensive coordinator is going to be forced to call 45, 50 passing calls that game to try and get you out of it. And that's the moments where careers are made and lost. Those are the moments where you see Sam Darnold after the press conference after week three, and he's a beaten down man. He has lost all confidence in playing the quarterback position, much like Ryan Tannehill did early in his career at Miami. And sometimes you lose it and you don't get it back. So Trey Lance at some point early in his NFL career will have a sink or swim moment. And I don't think anything we see on tape on North Dakota State can properly allow us to assess how he will do in that sink or swim moment. I totally and that's, agree. That's no, where you're really going to well have said. to trust your evaluations. You're going to have to trust the people you talk to. Uh, but you're taking a leap of faith that you aren't with guys like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, who you have seen in those tough situations. Yeah. I mean, uh, Trey Lance only has four 200-yard passing games in his career. Yeah. Uh, closest game out of any of those was a uh, 22 to zip win. So it's, there really hasn't been a lot of putting the team on a back moments. You know, I guess the national championship, a 28, 20 win six of 10 for 72 yards, with yeah. 30 rushing attempts for 166 more. And wow. the other thing is as a runner, we were talking about this before too. He isn't Lamar Jackson. He isn't somebody who's going out there and making you miss. He's not somebody who just like doesn't get a finger laid on him. No, he's breaking arm tackles because he is big and strong and fast. He's not like a separator. I mean, I'm not saying he's like a power runner like Cam Newton, but he does have a lot more of yeah, that. Not that game. far off. Yeah. No, it's not that far off, but I mean, nobody's a power runner like Cam Newton at that position. Fair. fair. And, and I wonder if being that hybrid type of runner at quarterback won't play as well, especially when you're not just jumping up from the FCS level to the group of five level or to the power five level, but all the way up to the NFL I mean, this is a, this is a big gamble that any team is going to take, but I mean, 28 passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, 14 more rushing touchdowns has never lost a game in his college football career, won a national championship by kind of putting his team on the back on his back running 30 times. It's a, it's a weird situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to kind of go back and, you know, look at the past couple number one overall picks in regards to trade Lance, they all kind of had those moments, though. I mean, they were all dominating players, Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow, but they had those moments where, you know, yeah. they had to put on the cape and bring their team back. Uh, oh, yeah. You think for Kyler, you think of the Red River shootout between Texas. You think of that Army game. Um, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. both huge moments where Kyler basically was the team. I mean, yep. they were losing those games. Without Kyler Murray, they probably still lose those games. Yep. But he won those games for them. Uh, Burrow last year with the Alabama game. Oh, yeah. um, you know, 
it's just a huge Clemson, moment for him. Man. Yeah. Even that Clemson, Clemson game, the, the O-line for LSU could not block Clemson. And mm-hmm. Burrow put on his cape, took over, and was like, you look like Tony Romo 2.0 in that game. He's just running yeah. around making plays on his feet. Yeah. Think of how huge that Deshaun Watson performances against Bama were in his career. Or I always kick myself for not evaluating Patrick Mahomes properly, not giving more credit to that game where him and Baker Mayfield faced off and went for over 1,000 yards combined when Mahomes has none of the talent around him. All these guys have those games. And as Henry pointed out, when he, when like North Dakota State had their backs against the wall and the natty, he ran for 30 times. That's his default mode is to run and get his team out of it. And that's, that's the struggle with being, in, being an NFL athlete and size at 6'4", 226, but playing against FCS competition, you're doing the right thing by running there, you know, because at that level you can. But how has that built bad habits that you're going to really have to get out of yourself come the NFL game? And then the NFL game's changing so much. So how, many, how much will we be able to adjust to him? He's such a fascinating conversation. How many yards could Ryan Fitzpatrick run for in the FCS? You know, it, it's, it's like a crazy question, but if he was put in the situation, he's still probably a better athlete than some of the defenders on some of those teams. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, I'm excited man. for Saturday, though, because it is the one chance that we actually have to watch this man play football this year. And say what you want to say about what he's going to be as an NFL player. He is the best football player at the FCS level, and it's going to be a treat. Um, yeah, totally. And we don't just get to see him in his one and only game. We also get to see left tackle Dylan Radins um, mm. for his one and only game. And he's, he's seen by some as a top five prospect at the position. Um, and obviously in Broncos country, that's definitely something you want to be paying attention to. All right, other big games this week. I mean, the one matchup that on paper uh, looks nice because it's ranked team against ranked team is Texas A&M against Alabama. Um, I actually didn't watch A&M this last weekend, um, and we were kind of talking about this off air, and Jake was like, did you see what Kellen Mond did? And I got excited for a second, and then uh, Jake told me what Kellen Mond did, and I got real sad, so. Yeah, I'm not Kellen too excited Mond. for this one. <laughs> it's just, I think it's, the ship has sailed to Kellamon, man. It's, yeah. I mean, he had the little jump after his freshman year, and that might just be all he is. Um, I do get excited. I mean, A&M Bama, just going back to the Johnny Manziel days and that nostalgia yeah. from that, it's always a fun matchup. So, uh, I mean, a lot of these guys for Bama, this might be their biggest or one of their first biggest tests. You know, I mean, they're probably going to have a lot more bigger games till this point, but mm-hmm. – um, you know, just seeing how those guys kind of fare. Uh, Najee Harris had a really nice game. We talked about him a bit. So just seeing uh, if Mac Jones or Najee Harris is the one who's driving the ship this week. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we want to make picks on these? Yes, we need to yeah. make picks. I was I like thinking it. about that when you did the DraftKings week, and I remember being a little upset when we were, like, texting back and forth during Mississippi LSU. And I was like, man, got to give it to you. KJ Costello's looking good. And you were like, mm-hmm. yeah, the – uh, Mississippi State plus 17 and a half also looking good. And I was like, damn, I wish I was in on that. Um, so we're definitely doing that. Um, a little bit of a provocateur question, but after like waxing poetic about 
um, Mike Leach to start the show. Did A&M screw up big time by paying Jimbo $100 million when we're realizing the college games go in the opposite direction that Jimbo's going in? Well, especially when you look at the talent that he's recruited there. I mean, you yeah. already said this, this team is not looking strong up front, so I don't know what's going on with Jimbo. Totally. And as crazy, like Jimbo's appeal was like, oh, he's one of the few that's still winning with the pro-style offense. Now he looks like the last of the dinosaurs, you know? It's like, oh, cool, you're still around. Like, RIP, you're going to die off in a year. Like, good for you. Um, So, yeah, Bama, going to be fun to tune in. Um, You know, really excited to watch more Dylan Moses, uh, their top defensive prospect, a guy who should really – He looked great. Really excited to watch him. One of the top prospects Broncos fans should be keyed in on. Um, and same line, Alex Leather um, Leatherwood, their left tackles, another of the top prospects the Broncos should be considering on the on the offensive side um, coming into the draft. So beyond you know the talent at wide receiver for Bama with Jalen Waddle and Smith and you know, the, the quarterbacks and running backs who have plenty of intrigue, you definitely want to tune in and watch how Moses and uh, Leatherwood uh, show off in this one. Plus, Are we doing I mean, the uh, – Those receivers Sorry, too. go ahead. Yeah. Like, I yeah. know the Broncos don't need them, but that is just a treat to sit down and watch those two. Hell, yeah. Are we picking against the spread on this one? Yeah. Oh, yes. Alabama minus 17 and a half in this. I've got Bama. Uh, to me, to me, I mean, watching these college football games so far, there are two teams, and then there's the rest of the country. Who knows? Maybe when Ohio State comes back, they can join Bama and Clemson. But Bama and Clemson right now are, to me, going to play each other for the title. And uh, honestly, I think Clemson's going to win. We'll get to that in months from now. How but, dare you uh, disrespect future national champions, uh, Mississippi State, that way. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love that so much. I would love that so much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Bama here. That team, uh, until they struggle, I'm riding them. Yeah, the 17-and-a-half line is, I mean, the line in itself, just the number is kind of sketchy, but the talent disparity, I think, is it's too big. And Mond, I think, against this defense is prone to some turnovers, so I think it could get pretty lopsided pretty quick. Yeah, I uh, I have to side with you guys. I just like Bama. Um, usually with Bama and these bigger spreads, sometimes a halftime spread can be more intriguing, um, but I'm having trouble finding that right now. So, But, yeah, I'd still take Bama minus 17 and a half. I mean, you just have to. Yeah. And then after that, Auburn, Georgia is where it gets exciting, um, especially on the defensive side uh, with, uh, with these prospects. Bo Nix, I got to give you credit again. Henry, he looked good. Um, he made a couple of big throws. He did. And it wasn't a perfect I, I, day, but for a sophomore, I think you have to be pretty excited about it. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Um, and I'm excited to like watch Seth Williams, who we didn't mention as I was counting off, like how we would get to 14 top 50 picks. Um, but he definitely would play into that against Eric Stokes, the stud uh, corner for Georgia. I've also got my eyes on Monte Monty Rice, the linebacker uh, for the dogs. And it's a, it's a big week, even though it's just his second start at Auburn for Jamie Newman, you know, 
all the believers preseason time to show up. Yep. I'm not yeah. a believer. I, I don't think that this is one of the good Georgia teams. Um, and by good Georgia teams, it kind of just means like have like a decent quarterback for the most part. I don't think that Jamie Newman's going to be the answer. I think that it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to look in some ways similar to the last game for Auburn, where it's going to come down to Bo Nix kind of sinking or swimming. And I think he's going to swim late. And I'm, I kind of like Auburn straight up in this one, not just the minus or plus six and a half. Yeah, I'm with you, Hank. Uh, the six and a half is intriguing in itself, but I do kind of have an itch that tiger, the Tigers are a better team than the Bulldogs. Um, yep. I think they're more explosive on offense. While Georgia might be better defensively, and they probably do have a lot more guys, Auburn's had a lot of guys that have played two, three years on that defense. So yep. um, this isn't a young defense. They should be still pretty solid. And just going back to last week, I thought Auburn was much more impressive versus Kentucky than Georgia was versus Arkansas. I mean, the game was like five to seven. Uh, Georgia was down, I think, mm-hmm. in the middle of the third quarter. So uh, might just be week one jitters or something. Um, but the number itself is very intriguing. And I do like the Tigers, I think, outright to win this too. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Three for three. I like the upset straight up. I always like Gus Malzahn. And, you know, this is a big uh, big test for, for Smart in that um, administration there in Georgia. First year without Jake Fromm. They've lost so much damn talent on offense over the years. I mean, we talk about both the starting tackles, just – insane amounts of running backs wide receivers tight ends that they've pumped out and obviously jake Fromm, who i was never a big fan of but definitely made a difference at the college level um and you know georgia's exciting on defense because they have a lot of talent i've got tyson campbell the other georgia corner on my list i've got adam anderson and aziz ojuri the two um edges and maybe best of all is richard laconti um, the safety, I butcher all these names. So I apologize in advance to all these families. It's um, so much fun to see how you pronounce them though. We yeah. need to like, just never know. Yeah. Not how but, I would have said but, it. But like, it could be right. I can't he, tell you it's wrong. He but could be from Louisiana the- and have yeah. a little, you know, a little French in him. <laughs> what do I know with this SEC? It's a little different out there, you know? Um, so there's a lot of talent, but we need to see who's going to emerge as those top defensive players. I don't even know if Jamie Newman's going to play in this one because we saw um, Steston Bennett start against <laughs> Arkansas in that one. Uh, so, no, I, I trust Auburn a lot more. And, you know, Auburn between Seth Williams and then they've got the Schwartz kid who's maybe the, like, yeah. fastest dude in Burner. all of uh, college football, Anthony Schwartz. He's insane. And yeah, that, that defense uh, is, you know, they play well. Also, shout out to our guy, um, Kentucky UDFA, because Landon Young, the left tackle for the Wildcats, I did think played a really nice game um, against Auburn, especially as a run blocker. I want to watch him more and more as a pass protector. But yeah, I think that's kind of how it's going to play out. And I think those wide receivers, that veteran quarterback, that Gus Malzahn offense, and that veteran leadership on defense will be too much for Georgia to overcome. Also, uh, Bo Nix is too good of a punter, and I think that should be factored in. Dude, bro. (laughs) That was a great punt. It was. Out the one yard line. great punt. The next Brady right there. Yeah, seriously. With the drop Um, kick, yeah. That was dope. Real quick on Georgia, though, not to kind of pile on them, because I know a lot of people have gotten on them for this even last year, but the Justin Fields transfer just looks so much worse now. I mean, I know. 
I liked from, I didn't think he was like top tier. I did. I just thought he had a place as like a backup or something. Yeah. So, but still how you didn't keep that talent in house over a backup oh, right. NFL quarterback in from, and now look at this year, you're just playing. I don't even know who that guy Bennett was. Um, right. You have to bring in another transfer in Newman. Yeah. It's just that this isn't just looks worse and worse as the time goes on. Well, and to, I mean, they've got a bit of uh you know, like USC with all the, all the great quarterbacks coming out of SoCal and none of them being in house or Texas with all these great Texas quarterbacks and none of them coming in house. I mean, dude, look at the NFL. It's Georgia central. It's the, the, I think the state high school leaders in passing yards are to, to in, in some order, Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you got one of those to, to come to the Bulldogs and you burn that bridge after a year. Um, and you've also let Jacob Eason go. So yeah, just not looking good at quarterback. And now might be that year where you got to pay the piper and kind of start to recite your mea culpa for having, having screwed up that, that Justin Fields, um, deal. All right. Next. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I really want to see Trevor Lawrence against Virginia. That's going to be a fun one. Virginia has some insane length, on that defense. Um, so they're going to be fun to, to watch for that reason. Clemson's just been like missing so much of their top dudes and it's barely even mattered um, against teams like Citadel and wake obviously, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see now that they're a bit more tested. Um, what do they do? What do they do against Virginia and what can this offense do despite not having Justin Ross and, um, some of their better players, but Clemson's finally playing playing some decent competition. So I'll be excited to watch that for sure. Yeah, Virginia's been kind of a sneaky good defensive team the past couple of years, and they've yep. had some guys. Um, so yeah, just excited to watch them. Um, I don't know much about their offense this year. I know last year they had the guy uh, uh, Bryce Perkins, the quarterback that was right. really fun to watch. Yep. Um, now I guess they have this guy Armstrong, Brennan Armstrong. He's a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, put up some decent numbers so far, but I uh, haven't watched him play. So I, I, I don't know. The line's 28, though. I think it's Clemson pretty easy on this one. Me too. What if I told you I think Virginia actually covers? Really? I would tell well, you that I will take that bet. You yeah. would, huh? <laughs> yeah. Dude, Trevor Snowden. Lawrence, my goodness. Well, I know, but they're going to like bench Trevor by the third. That's what yeah. scares you is them being up like 30 and then in the fourth just playing the third stringers and them just winning by like 24. Do you and think that you Virginia's starters would beat Clemson's reserves? Normally, no, but I think Clemson has enough guys who've opted out or are sidelined right now yeah. to where that depth is just diminished enough to where I might go Virginia – on the spread. Virginia is like sneaky. They've got like, I'm looking right now at the all conference list. There's a lot of dudes on this defense that, that made it. And there's like five defenders that made first, second or third team, all ACC. And uh, yeah, they're all seniors. They're all upperclassmen. They're well coached. Yeah. I think they cover the spread, but still, I mean, Clemson's going to win easy. You know, I think thinking about it now, I think you do have a few things going in your favor for Virginia here, just because Clemson really hasn't been tested yet. 
Yeah. Uh, they played Wake Forest. I mean, Wake Forest is okay, um, but Virginia is still going to be their biggest test. Also, maybe a bit of a trap game too. I mean, Miami's next week. Uh, yep. Virginia is not going to just lay down. So uh, sneaky cover by the Cavaliers actually might be the play. Hmm. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yep. How you like them apples. And then a sneaky matchup that I like. I think Boston College is going to give North Carolina um, a lot to handle. And minus 14 is too much for the Tar Heels and Mac Brown. Yeah, glad you brought this game up. Boston College really came out and surprised in their first game against Duke. Um, and I do think they're a better football team than we've kind of been led to believe at this point. Yeah. Um, just from kind of looking at the stats, it still seems like they're still going with that run-heavy approach uh, mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, although you don't have A.J. Dillon there for 35 carries a game, so it is a bit right. different. Right. Um, I haven't watched the Tar Heels yet this year, though, so I am a bit interested in seeing this uh, this matchup. And uh, the plus-14 number for Boston College is pretty intriguing, mm-hmm. although I wouldn't be surprised if it just ends up in a complete blowout by the Heels. <laughs> Totally, totally. I mean, Sam Howell, we'll see how he plays in this one. Uh, You know, Boston College just has a really nice line. I love their left tackle, Zion Johnson. Um, So they can kind of elongate drives and and keep teams honest that way. I don't know if Chash Surratt, the talented linebacker for North Carolina, is playing. He got banged Mm -hmm. up in the last game, Um, but if he is, he's definitely – a dude to keep an eye on because uh yeah just one of the better defenders in the country especially at the linebacker position yeah um i didn't get to watch too much of north carolina's first game um but the couple minutes i saw combined with the sam house stat line left me with a lot of questions um i was really excited to watch him play i i'm still excited to watch him play but i'm not I don't know. If, if he had come out and looked great, I would be comfortable taking North Carolina minus 14. With him coming out looking bad, I just kind of want to stay away from this because I'm not willing to say that continues or that he bounces back. Um, if I had to pick a side, though, I'd say that this is a close game. Um, and I'd probably take Boston College plus 14. Boston College, I'm telling you, they've been a sneaky good defensive team for their yep. most of this decade. I mean, I know the wins haven't always translated, but mm-hmm. they're a well-coached football team. I mean, Justin Simmons, a couple uh, – Isaac Yadam, a couple Broncos come from Boston mm-hmm. College. So mm-hmm. they've, been, they've been pumping out some guys. Yeah, totally. And then under the radar, uh, Ole Miss against Kentucky. It'll be fun to watch Elijah Moore. It'll be fun to watch um, Landon Young, the Kentucky left tackle. Kentucky favored by six. Some people might be high on this Kiffin Ole Miss. I think Kentucky's kind of for real. Um, And I think Ole Miss, in that whooping, they showed a lot of their deficiencies defensively against Florida. Um, So, yeah, I'm kind of ready to to say Kentucky's going to cover that uh, six-point spread. Yeah, Kentucky kind of in the same mold as Boston College. Just a real tough, well-coached team over the past couple years. Um, and, you know, Lane Kiffin, he did bring a lot of excitement last week, and the offense was pretty explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if the Wildcats' defense is better than the Gators' defense. Um, I'd say they're maybe probably pretty similar at this point. Yep. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah. This is kind of a tough one for me, man. I You think that's a trap do, game? Yeah, I do kind of want to take the Rebels here just because of, you know, how explosive they can be on offense. So, I mean, a cover for the Wildcats is not going to be safe until it's triple zeros in the fourth yeah, quarter, I true, believe. True. So, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll have some fun. I'll say Rebels plus six. There you go. Love it. Wow. This is another tough one. Um, I, I want to – ride with you jake but they, they gave up 642 yards last week and they did, but they played kyle trask and kyle pitts though there ain't no kyle trask yeah. and kyle pitts coming out yeah that's true and they kyle. also had 16 or 613 yards of their own you know what i'll i'll yeah. I'll, I'll ride with you Ole miss gets this one let's go <sighs> way to go it's, henry yeah it scares <laughs> me though i'm uncomfortable i'm not confident i'm not confident <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. South Carolina, Florida. Florida's going to whoop them. Eh, 17 and a half. Yeah, they'll probably cover that. I am intrigued to see if Israel Mukuamu, the 6'4 cornerback for the Gamecocks, is lined up on Kyle Pitts. Because that's like one of the few dudes in all of college football who actually has the size and speed to line up with Kyle Pitts and try to cover him one-on-one. I'll be really interested to see if that's what South Carolina tries to do. It'll be fun seeing if uh, Kyle Trask can, can really target and test one of the best cornerbacks in the country, a guy who really played up a huge game against Georgia a year ago. Um, so, yeah, he, he's just a dude I've got my eye on because of those raw tools. So definitely an exciting matchup there, even though I think the Gators cover fairly comfortably. Yeah, I agree with you. South Carolina did play Tennessee well last week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I know they've lost a lot of talent as well. Yeah. But uh, this might be a pretty frisky South Carolina team. Yeah, Muschamp. Don't sleep on Muschamp. He, he gets yeah. those teams to be competitive. Um, and as far as Tennessee, Missouri, I may be more skeptical about Tennessee than I am South Carolina. I do want to watch this, though, for Trey Smith, the top guard prospect for Tennessee. For sure. He is actually hurt. I meant to mention. Oh shoot! He injured his short uh, shoulder, I believe, uh, for South Carolina. So I don't know if he's playing or not. And while we tackle that kind of news, Paulson Adebo has also opted out, the top uh, corner prospect for Stanford. So uh, one more, uh, uh, your guy Jalen Mayfield, uh, Michigan offensive tackle, opted back in. For let's the go! Oh, yeah. Let's go! That's what I like to see here. Good. As good. the resident Pac-12 guy, my role on this show. It just kind of keeps being diminished you know, with all these good players opting out. The fact that they're only playing like the seven games and aren't starting for another month. Um, Henry, you're just, you're like pre-scouting for the 2022 draft. You know, you're, yeah, you're you just go. getting ready for us. We can call it that, I guess. Um, I didn't get my pick on uh, Florida, South Carolina. So I'll throw it in real quick. Florida's going to cover that thing. Yeah. Honestly, this is a terrible thought process, but this was what went through my brain. Oh, boy. Kyle Trask looked good. Yeah. Very few quarterbacks looked good. There's Mm -hmm. no way that there aren't like five or six good quarterbacks this year. So you have to ride with Kyle Trask as one of the few who actually seems like he knows what he's doing out there. So that's what I'm going to do. They're going to win by 18 or more. All right. You heard it here. Third. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those are good. Um, <laughs> Pretty good, huh? Let's see. Are I think that's it, Henry. No, no good games. Um, I've got a. I mean, 
not that there's anyone worth watching, I don't believe, but Memphis at SMU is always a fun game. That's always a game with a lot of scoring usually. So that's a good one to point out. Memphis actually, I mean, there's some there's some talent there, man. There's some talent on that offense. There always is. Um, yeah. SMU's explosive too. Yes, they are. And UCF's another explosive one they play against Tulsa. And then, I mean, you know, it's the Brock Purdy Bowl against Oklahoma. We'll see what he can do. That was where I wanted to go. Oklahoma only a seven-point favorite. And I get that they, like, lost last week, and so it makes sense. But they – there's Well, the Cyclones always play them tough, right? Spencer Rattler looked like a freshman, man. He he did not Mm -hmm. look great. Yeah. Also – the hair wasn't my favorite. Mm. Rattlers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did notice last week, I thought more than any other season in college football, this is the year where we're going to see big road upsets because it's not nearly as intimidating to play at LSU as Mississippi state anymore. Right. It's true. Sure. Um, so that's one where, but, so I, I might have said Iowa State coming into this, but Oklahoma already got caught slipping, so they're not going to ca- get caught slipping again, and Brock Purdy's terrible. That OU defense has actually been better since that DC that you know all about, Henry. Ryan Grinch? Been- Ryan Grinch? Grinch. He's Grinch something. Alex Grinch? Alex Grinch, Al- I thought. Yeah. I think Alex, Alex Grinch. Yep. Um, Short because name. of Alex Grinch will, you know, he'll clog up Brock Purdy and uh, – they will cover by more than seven, though. Yeah, Rattler, Rattler disappointed last week for sure. Yes, yeah. and a bit to your point, Andre, about a home field advantage. Just listening to the Bill Simmons pod yesterday and uh, hearing him and Sal talk uh, talk over the lines. Mm-hmm. The home field advantage in the NFL is like non-existent. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. Rodgers like getting the Saints on quick counts in New Orleans. So. Yes. I think this is something that kind of carries over to college football as well. I don't think the three traditional three points for home field is real this year. Nope. No, throw it out the window. It's why I'm more confident about an Auburn upset upset at Georgia, for example, than I would in a conventional year. It's also why the theme early in the show, boy, not a great week for defenses. Yeah. You've got no crowds to help you. Everyone's just like able to talk it through and it's easy breezy, you know? So yeah, yeah, defenses are struggling with this and offenses are benefiting. So uh, tons of factors in play. I love that we were able to talk about all these sec prospects, but still like get into Trey Lance and get into Mike Leach and all this other stuff where we can kind of nerd out about, you know, mesh against man coverage and all that kind of stuff. So, Oh, it feels like we're really back, boys. That really felt yeah. like a true draft episode where we got to go on our little side tangents and everything. So, oh, man, good stuff. Lots of fun. All right, Henry, take us home. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you guys have any questions for us, uh, then as always, you could leave them on the poster today show at bdmvr.com, and we'll get to all of those uh, next week. Um, and until then, uh, have fun watching college football and we'll see you next week.